Hello, and welcome to the Dorkening Podcast Network. Press pound to hear the available shows. That Strange Show, Throwdown Thursday, Loose Cannon with Jar Jar Jeremy, Three Guys That Horror, The New and Improved Super Retro Throwback Reviews The Audio Files 2.0. This is probably one of Dwayne's worst films. Yeah, he's allowed to have a tooth fairy every now and then, sure. Yeah, this is a tooth fairy and then some, because it does not show the monsters tearing up buildings until the last 20 minutes of the movie. That's what the game is. It's fucking monsters tearing up a a fucking city. Secret Underground Hideout. Cinema with Harrison Smith. Dorks the Podcast. The Dorkening. Black and White Fright. The Wicked Horror Show. Subscribe to all these awesome shows anywhere podcasts can be found. For more information, check out thedorkening.com. No coffin could ever hold him. No door could ever bar his way. He is back from the dead. Count Dracula is alive. Dracula has risen from the grave. Dracula, the most fearsome name in any language. The most feared being ever to haunt the living. Carlson, Hammer's new star discovery, Dracula's most beautiful victim. Dracula has risen from the grave. To resist him is useless. To rise against him is futile. To know him is eternal damnation. has risen from the grave.
and welcome to a new episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Horror Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I am your co-host, Ro Lauren. Okay, perfect. And joining us for this episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses is director, writer, Michael Neal from the Drive-In Horror Show and a new horror movie, It's Mima. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me on. Mima sounds like the, um, do you ever watch The Big Bang Theory? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, okay. One of the characters on it, Sheldon, has a, he calls his grandma Mima. Oh, So every yes. time I heard the title, I was like, Mima. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it reads a little more different, a little differently when you read it in your head than actually saying it. But little bit, know. little bit. Um, Michael, why don't you tell the audience who's not familiar with your body work uh, who you are and where you come from for a minute? Sure. So um, I'm a filmmaker. I live in uh, in the greater Boston area. I made a horror movie uh, called Drive-In Horror Show. It's an anthology film, like creep show at a at a drive-in, basically. And I also did an animated. Uh, web series and film called Infinite Santa 8000 about a cyborg Santa Claus fighting mutants and robots in the year 8000 at a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Um, I also have uh, have a new film that we're, we'll talk about today called It's Me, Ma. It's a short film, uh, very Hitchcocky, And I've also have a big mystery project in the works that I can't mention, not even to you guys off the air, but uh, rest assured it'll be coming, and when it is, you guys will be some of the first to know. So. Was it that thing I saw on the on the social media thing? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> We're keeping very, very tight-lipped about it for reasons that will be very obvious once we announce sometime next year, probably early part of the year. And I oh. myself actually have a project that's coming out this week, I believe. If you are checking your uh, post office boxes, your mailboxes, however you get your mail in case you're, you're getting the actual physical copy, uh, In Search of Darkness, the, uh, the horror 80s documentary uh, came out last week to all uh, the digital reward people on Kickstarter. And now the disc uh, DVD or Blu-ray is coming out to any and everybody, I believe, this week. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, it is a comprehensive, in-depth, four-hour-long documentary about the ten years of the 1980s horror movies. And we go through the uh, one year at a time. That's amazing. Thank you. And uh, I, am a, uh, I am a contributor of the documentary and uh, horror expert, I think, with my IMDb title. <laughs> awesome. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Congrats, man. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. It's actually the uh, biggest uh, kicks, uh, crowdfunding project I've ever worked on. No kidding. Yeah, I got funded cool. in about 48 hours. That's amazing. Yeah, I know one of the producers on that. That's good people working on that movie. And coming out in about another week or two uh, is the is the other film that uh, that I didn't work on, but is coming out uh, in search of the last action hero. And then on Kickstarter in about two weeks is in search of imagination, the sci-fi 80s documentary. Wow. Oh, sweet. Yes, That's I was amazing. only involved in the horror one, but I I I kickstarted one, and I'm gonna be definitely kickstarting the other one. That's pretty sweet. But we're going to take a time travel back to 1968. And <laughs> what happened in 1968 that, it, that we mentioned historically? Was there anything? It was the year before Woodstock. Yes, it was the year Woodstock. Um, when did we go to the moon in the 60s? Uh, oh, was that 69 or 67? I think it was 69. Wait, when was Night of the Living Dead? That was 68, That right? was 69. 69, damn. Yeah. Man, I should know that. I just watched it. And, ah. I'm, and I'm a horror guy, so I lost my cred, I guess. <laughs> But um, so since we're not uh, we're not a history history documentary, we're going to talk about uh, the Hammer movie Dracula has risen from the grave. <laughs> <laughs> I have actually other titles for this movie that we'll get to eventually. <laughs> but uh, Roe has a plot synopsis for us. 
Dracula Has Risen from the Grave, 1968, opens with a young altar boy discovering the bloody, hanged body of a woman from the church bell tower who was bitten by Dracula. The main events of this story take place a year later, in a direct sequel to Prince of Darkness, 1966, which we covered before. Uh, The story begins with Father Ernst Monsignor, played by Rupert Davies, and he travels to the town where Castle Dracula is. Upon discovering that the town no longer attends church, he quests to perform an exorcism on the Count's castle to prove there is nothing to fear. The local priest, played by Ewan Hooper, he traveled to the castle and accidentally bring Dracula, Christopher Lee, back to life during their ceremony when the priest spills blood on his resting place. Believing all is well, Ernst returns to the town of Kennenberg. Meanwhile, Dracula awakes to find his castle barred with a large crucifix. Furious, he demands to know who has done this and forces the town priest to do his bidding. Back in Kennenberg, Ernst has returned home to his sister-in-law, Anna Marion Manthe, in her house to celebrate his young niece, Maria Veronica Carlson's birthday. Anna has prepared dinner, and Maria brings over her boyfriend and our hero for this evening, Paul, Barry Andrews. Paul is kicked out after admitting he is an atheist to her family. Paul returns to the tavern slash pastry shop where he lives and works and takes a couple of drinks with his coworker Zena, Barbara Ewing. After bringing drunk Paul up to his room for the night, Zena walks home but is stopped and bitten by Dracula deep in the woods. Not returning to home, she returns to the tavern instead, and Dracula demands that she bring him Maria to continue his revenge. Xena attempts but fails to bring Maria to Dracula. Angered by her her failure, she she is killed. Dracula later breaks into Maria's bedroom, bites her, and captured her, bringing her back to Castle Dracula. Ernst is killed attempting to save her, so the priest and Paul leave for Castle Dracula to rescue her and stop him. Maria removes the crucifix from the castle doors, and it falls to the ground. After Paul and Dracula fight, Dracula falls and is impaled on the cross. The priest performs a Latin prayer and dies, and Dracula turns into a pool of blood and ash with his cape wrapped, wrapped around the crucifix. Michael, as our guest for the show, what was your first exposure to the Hammer Horror movies before we get into the uh, film itself? Sure. I saw them when I was a kid, kind of in the transition between watching the Universal classics when I was pretty little and more of the harder R stuff in the 80s. I don't remember a lot of them. I, I mean, I bits and pieces, but I remember the, the tone more. I mean, I could kind of tell they were cheesy, even though I didn't know what cheesy meant. But then at the same time, <laughs> there would be moments where it was just like, oh, my God, like just really you know, creepy, intense kind of a, kind of a, kind of thing. So, um, I, I remember more the feel of them, the look and feel, uh, than specific films aside from, you know, various bits of, of Dracula and all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it's got a nice nostalgia for me. It's a bit of a, more of a fuzzy memory, um, in certain, in certain ways than other things I've watched, but you know, a, a fondness for sure. I, I associate them pretty closely with the Universal films because they look kind of similar. You know, the lighting is is not entirely realistic. It's it's a little more um, kind of studio-y. So I mm-hmm, guess seeing mm-hmm. it seeing it now, that's a good way to describe it. At the time, I don't think I could have described that in words, but that's kind of how it felt to me. Did you see these first or the Universal movies? Universal first. 
right off the bat, we're introduced to Hammer's newest uh, female heartthrob, uh, who will be in many films, uh, such as Frankenstein <laughs> Must Be Destroyed and others, Veronica Carlson, who was actually an art student before she became an actress. And she is the uh, titular babe of the uh, of the uh, of the of the of the movie, sharing it with the uh, the what was it the uh, the Xena warrior bar wench yeah, with a very low cut top. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. I was thinking about you the whole time because I was so excited to be like, all right, we've got boobs and blood back this yes. time. We had. A I was so movies. happy. We had a couple of movies, Mike, that there were neither of them. Really? And our podcast is called Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, because that is what Hammer is known for. So it's just yeah. badasses then. Yeah, it was just badasses in the movie. It was a lot oh, yeah. of, like, button up to the top or whatever with some Wonder Bras on. Right. Oh, yeah. But this one, right off the bat, I mean, like, the girl in the bell tower, she was covered in blood and had her boobs out. It was great. <laughs> okay, so big continuity question. Who the hell was that? Because she's not in the last movie that we watched. Yeah. She's just a random girl, I guess. I don't I don't know. I mean, Mike, you've seen Dracula Prince of Darkness. When uh, did Dracula string some girl upside down in a bell tower in a church? Hey, how did he get into the church to begin with? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was my first big question, even although I kind of looked past it because it was such a great intro scene with the blood dripping down the the rope. But uh I don't remember that in, in the previous movie and it definitely raised some questions off the bat of like, oh, can Dracula go in churches now? It is Christianity not affect him anymore, and actually kind of set the tone for a lot of questions in the rest of the movie, which I enjoyed, but had various things pop up like that as it went along. Yeah, they kind of had some new rules, or at least one new rule. Our um, upside down babe is played by a woman named Carrie Baker, and according to IMDb, this is the only credit to her name. Really? Yeah, she's Bell Tower wow. Girl, or first I'm... victim. In other places, I've seen Bell Tower Girl. Because I mean, she, she fits <laughs> the hammer mold pretty well, right? Like, busty. oh yeah. You know, beautiful, like, bloody. That's, yeah, you know. also, between the three of us, Ro, how would you keep your upper torso confined to that dress upside down? I just don't see it being possible. Oh, no, I, I don't either. That dress is so, plus that material is so thin. I, I was just like, damn, girl. <laughs> There's just no way. I didn't get it. I mean, if you imagine, no. like, if uh, it, 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 it's it'd be different if she was buttoned up to her neck, but right. she's not. You know right. what I mean? Um, I just... no, it was like clearly some kind of like silky nightgown thing. But I mean, those first five minutes, I was already hooked. I was so ready for this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. How do you think of what do you think of the portrayal of? Uh, I think he's just known as Alter Boy. He's played by Norman Bacon, but he is the mentally challenged character in the movie. How did you, uh, what did you think of the, uh, portrayal of the, uh, mentally handicapped, probably the more politically correct term? Well, I actually, at first I was a little confused because I thought when he first discovers her, he seemed like, I don't, I don't want to, he seemed not mentally handicapped. He seemed neurotypical, that's the word. Um, but then afterwards I thought he was just like traumatized into being like a mute but I guess not. Um, it was a little, it was a little weird. Also, the blood in the movie once again looks like paint. Yes. Yeah, I was so happy about the bright red uh, hammer horror blood. Yeah, it was a lot of it though. I was pretty impressed. Like that was pretty right. And that was a lot of blood from that from her one neck wound too. She bled like bled out. I mean, on the floor, down the rope, <laughs> onto his hands, like. It's not as bad as an upcoming, uh, one of the, uh, upcoming Dracula movies, uh, they pour blood 
fake blood on a real live bat to bring back Dracula. Oh my really? god! Yeah, oh, the Humane that's... Society was very pissed or whatever when they saw the movie years yeah. later. Yeah, you probably can't do that today. No, I mean it's very similar no. to. Um, <laughs> Isn't there, what's the movie, it's a famous movie where someone takes out a machete. Oh, it's, it's Friday the 13th. Friday 13th part one. It kills an actual snake. I know. Yeah. Oh, uh, I didn't realize that was real. I had, oh my god. Yeah, oh, yeah. and of course Cannibal <laughs> so Holocaust sad. had a famous scene with the sea turtle right. being ripped off. But this is a whole other movie we'll get to. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. so a year passes, hence why we get rain, snow, and, you know, the change of the seasons. And nobody attends church anymore. Because the the church has been cursed by uh, Dracula's presence, and then the Monsignor shows up. Yeah. I'm not Catholic. Are you Catholic, Mike? Uh, no, I was raised with nothing, pretty much. Protestant or Jewish were my choices, and I chose neither. So, so. I'm not a big, uh, I'm not very familiar with what the Monsignor's role is, but he's played by Rupert Davis, um, who has been in uh war and peace uh mark personal king arthur the young world his, his career kind of stopped in 1982 but he had been acting since uh, the 1940s and uh various british broadcasting television shows wow he had great sideburns too uh, there were a lot of great sideburns <laughs> in this film oh yeah that, that, that made me really happy actually i probably should have <laughs> done my research for this for monsignor let's see what that means yeah, I thought that was... Okay, so I actually thought that was really weird, because this whole thing is supposed to take place in, like, Germany, because, you know, they have signs for, like, bloggers. Uh, they're in Wait, I thought it was Transylvania, because they're at the castle. Right, but then, like, all the signage is in German, and the town names are German, but right. this guy, he goes by a French term, but Anna, they call her... Uh, they call her a German name, too. Yeah, so I, it's all confusing. So Monsignor is an honorific form of address uh, for some members of the clergy, usually of the Roman Catholic Church, including bishops, honorary prelates, and canons. Monsignor is a form, uh, not an appointment. Uh, uh, properly speaking, one cannot be made a Monsignor uh, or be the Monsignor oh. of a parish. So it's a title that's bestowed upon by the Pope. Oh. Well, I mean, that makes sense with the, you know the Latin and everything. You know, yeah. Reading, so, uh, another title for this movie because it's said in it, "The Shadow of the Castle of Dracula." That's a great. Yeah. Movie. You should make that. That would have been so movie. cool. And anything with shadow in it is always good. Exactly. Right? Um, there is no evil in the house of God. I thought that was very funny. Yeah. Considering <laughs> Catholics yeah. and priests. Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that, that didn't date very well. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's see what else do I have? Okay, so the Monsignor Grace. Uh, the Monsignor puts a big cross on the door of Dracula's castle. Then the priest falls down, bleeds out directly into Dracula's mouth. Dracula wakes up, goes to back to his castle. Why doesn't the priest lift the freaking cross off her? Why does he need Veronica later on, late in the movie to do it? I, I don't... Yeah. yeah. It, there were a lot of very coincidental kind of moments in this where it's like oh i guess they're just doing it for the plot all right that's cool i mean i, I was i was on with board with it was fun but that happened over and over again you know yeah so it did just kind of fit in i suppose but yeah well and it's also the funny thing of like if you're not convinced that i mean i guess it makes sense you'd think that dracula is inside the castle but if there's a chance he's out you've now kept him out of his castle like so you're basically unleashing him on everybody you know right exactly I love that the plot of this whole movie is Dracula is doing this because he's petty. <laughs> yes, totally. Totally. <laughs> um, 
this reminds me of the exorcist i need a young priest and an old priest yes or i need a old priest and a middle-aged priest with the receiving yes Also, my notes, your boozing led to Dracula being resurrected. Yes. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, this movie... I love how it's, like, perfectly over his lips, too. Like, he has, like, a little blood lipstick. It's beautiful. Oh, I know. <laughs> in HD, you can see the pores into Christopher Lee's face or whatever. <laughs> I saw that in one of the close-ups. Oh, my like... God. Yeah. That's how much in HD this film got transferred on the... Uh, the... I have it on a miniature little Blu-ray box set called Horror Classics Volume 1. Um, it's called vol yeah, it's called Volume One on the side. They never made a Volume Two, but it also uh, contains Taste the Blood of Dracula, Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, and Hammer's Mummy. Oh, nice! Wow. No, no bonus material though. Bare bones. The DVD was bare bones, I believe, as well. Uh, you yeah, I had on, no, I had nothing. Yeah, you had nothing. You what? What did you yeah. watch it on, Mike? I watched it on Prime, but I think it was probably the same transfer as this because it was HD and pretty clear. The compression was pretty good. So the uh, the young girl shows up, Anna. She's living with her mother, and uh, the uh, Monsignor is her uncle. Anna is supposed to be sixteen. Like Wait, no, 30. Maria. Her name, the blonde girl's the... Maria. Anna's her um, her aunt. No, her mom. Oh, that is yeah, that is her yeah, mom. But right. if you yeah. count the uh, the candles on the cake, she's sixteen. No way. Yeah, Shit. I thought she was like a grown up living with her parents, or like her mom. I thought they were in college because they talk about school, but I assumed it was college. Two things Holy that don't make shit. any sense. She, yeah, she said she's in college. She's going to marry this guy Paul, who's clearly older than her. Yes. Oh um, yeah. And this movie definitely takes place after 1905 because the coffin below the pub says uh, the death of a child, 1885 to 1905. Yeah, I wrote that that's down right. too. I was like, that's weird because I'm pretty sure uh, Prince takes place in like 1897 and this is only supposed to be a year later. Uh, I don't think that's quite right. <laughs> dashing, young, da- dashing, dashing young hero played by Barry Andrews who plays Paul um, who, you know, if she's supposed to be 16, then he should be arrested for statutory rape. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He has nice hair, though. Um, oh, hold on yes. a second. Oh, yes. And he's like patty his manly chest or whatever. He's like, oh, it's so hot baking goods all day. By oh, the way, did you notice how hiked up his pants were past his belly button? Yes. Because they cannot yes. show a belly button even in the 1960s yet. Is that what that was? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I was but, just shocked funny. to see, like, a male, uh... Like have not a sh- like not having a shirt on for a little bit. I was like, oh my god, look at this equal opportunity. We got boobs now. We got a shirtless man. <laughs> In the one of the upcoming Hammer movies, Twins of Evil, um, that's when they went really like crazy. Uh, that movie came out in the seventies, um, and that's when they went really crazy with the sex because that had the first on-screen portrayal of a woman's um, downstairs business. Holy shit, that's yeah. awesome. There is a scene wow. where like uh the one of the two twins is in bed and the cover is lifted off her and she's like naked completely, but she still has the sheet like covering her legs, but you can clearly see her pubic hair poking out above the sheet. Wow. Oh wow. Yeah. That's cool. Seventies are a wild time. Seventies <laughs> were a wild time, yeah. Oh, a doubt. One of my favorite decades of movies. Uh um, yeah. So the uh his boss, the baker the uh the, the main baker, because he's a baker's assistant, says uh, what do you hope to get out of books? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Maybe a fucking education. <laughs> right, right, something. Uh, Xena, waitress, uh, warrior waitress. 
<laughs> is probably got um is is definitely uh typical of how barmaids would be dressed back then. Yep. Uh, even today, I went to the Wilbur Theater. Both waitresses that were serving everybody were as low cut as they could probably get, mm-hmm. and oh like, really? Tiny little mini skirts and midriffs on. Really? Yeah. Well, that's... But the today, like. Friday. I That's interesting. Jay and Silent Bob reboot, and both waitresses had the lowest cut tops I've seen on a waitress in years. Wow. Outside oh, of a, a gentleman's club or a, or, a, or a dance club. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> yeah, oh, That's yeah. Different. Yeah, that's different. Dance expected. club, goth club, fetish club, whatever. They're going to have, you know, or the theme is like vampires or it's horror, whatever. The, the waitresses are going to be dressed rockatively. But this is the Wilbur, though. They have all sorts of stuff that happens there. Yeah. And Jay and Silent Bob do not scream like overtly sexuality to me. Maybe a comedian. No, or no. Like that. They had like yeah. Leary or something like that. But yeah, both waitresses. I went with Michael Raven Shadow from the Trick or Treat oh, Radio. Oh, I saw the picture, you guys. Yeah. And both waitresses just tring, and then like midriff and like hiked up skirt with a panty black pantyhose. Huh. It was really weird to see. You know, even that's that so to interesting. Me, like, I've not seen any waitress dressed like this that's not in some club like the way I just described. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I love Sia, though. She was my favorite. <laughs> I loved her, too. She was great. What is the name She's of the so freak? sassy. Bro, you're cut, you're, uh, say that one more time. I said, Zena's my favorite. She's so sassy. Do you hear that sound? Yeah, I do. Do you know what that is? Uh, no, I hear it, too. Yeah, it's better now. Yeah, but do you okay. know what that is? Have you heard that before when you've ever? I mean, I, I hear it sometimes. It might be a connection on her end. I'm not really sure. Yeah, maybe. I don't know it that well. What is the drinking game they're playing? I have no idea. I, I want to play that. That looks great. And I'm, I'm shocked right? that like everyone didn't drop it. And you knew it was coming. I mean, yeah. but that was a great scene. I thought that was really good. There are six churches. Paul doesn't go to any one of them because he's a, <gasps> an atheist. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I was shocked to hear those words from considering this is 1968. I was like, hell fucking yes. <laughs> yeah, that was that was great. So Dracula does not seem to be restricted by night because when um, what's her name goes home at during the day, Xena uh, goes home during the day. Dracula's out in the daylight now. In the original novel, Dracula could walk around in the daylight. Right. Vampires being restricted to the darkness was a Hollywood thing, which has been adapted right. into everything. Or you sparkle during the daylight. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of in between, right? Doesn't that kind of half and half? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I, I was a little confused because it was like, it's hard to tell with these Hammer Horror movies sometimes when they're using day for night, or if it's just actually, like, sunset or sunrise. It, I never know. I'm just like, well, fuck it. I guess he can just walk around. <laughs> yeah, I had a similar, similar thought with that, too. Okay, so this um, building, the main building we keep going back to, it's a bar and a restaurant, a bakery... And a crypt. <laughs> I know. I love that they had a coffin in the basement and no one thinks it's weird. Oh what, was the, what was the other movie we watched, Row, where that happened? That fucking Dracula was sleeping right below everybody? Oh, yeah. Was that I, the first one? I think so. Yeah, horror Dracula. Dracula's sleeping below fucking everybody. They finally go downstairs and like, look, there he is! Is that I'm right? Like, fucking Christ, you didn't think to check the building? You could have ended up building the building with the, with the fucking uh, the, the bobbies. The movie could have been five minutes long if you just went to the basement for something. <laughs> Uh, poor Xena, she sure gets the shaft in this movie, like, yeah. badly. I mean, she gets tossed. Yeah. Dracula gives her such a fucking slap. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. I know. Yeah. She falls down. <laughs> I 
I wonder how many takes Christopher Lee did with that, or or you know, he he was known to be such a gentleman on set. I wonder if he went running over to her. Oh my god, dear, I'm so sorry. You know that like yeah. the way he would do it. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Yeah, because he was, I was known just to be a gentleman. shocked that he had lines too in this one. I was like, it's been so long. So we heard you talk, and you're slapping women again. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> but she's all like, "What about me? Don't you want me? No, you're like." 20 something or 30 something we want the 16 year old apparently no you're a dirty whore you have your boobs out already obviously right well you pick me ass bitch well and all the guys are, what was the what was the, the subtle line the guy said about um she's like the village bicycle everyone's had a ride yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I think, where they got that from for the Austin Power movie or whatever. And Austin was just like, no, baby, she's like the village bicycle. <laughs> Not something you could get away with in cinema today, my might add. No, no. Because you, I, I, the, the betrayal of sex workers um, or women being promiscuous and being, like, dubbed sex workers in a derogatory way has had such a turn in the last several years in movies that... Um, any anything making fun of it is is looked upon as being like slut shaming, and it's like in, in terms of like comedy, I think comedy is subjective and everything is funny within context. Yeah, when it's oh, like, I do too. Serious films like or films that take themselves serious, like these horror movies, and they did take themselves seriously. Oh back yeah, then. you can tell. I, I think if you made Dracula the, these films today, the slut shaming with like the barmaid would either not be toned down if it was set today but it would or if it was set back then it would still be that way but you'd still have people calling it out online right yeah or you'd have to like you'd have to deal with it in context somehow the slut chamber would be punished or there'd be some some bigger message to try to balance it out if you did put it in there you couldn't just have it it's kind of almost a throwaway of a character you know in this in this film Um, right and it's even like even visually, it's kind of stated because the whole time Maria is like dressed very conservatively. Yes. Like we really almost never see any cleavage from her until she's already bitten, you know. So it's like even without coming out and saying it, they're still saying it. Yeah, I noticed that. I always love pointing out that in the uh, any context with uh, vampires, when you become a vampire, your breasts grow two cup sizes. Even <laughs> um, in Fright Night, Charlie's girlfriend, that happened to her. That's right. Uh, because that actress is not that big. No. No. Or, uh, another great example is in X-Men comic books, Jubilee was turned into a vampire. Jubilee has always been like, she has aged up over years or whatever, but she's still like a teenager. Right. She's still also right. a tiny petite Asian teenager too and then when she became a vampire she's got like showing these giant <laughs> breast beads drawn on her all of a sudden and it's like geez oh yeah the zipper's down too of course um of course <laughs> oh another title for this movie face the slap of dracula yeah <laughs> that's great that's a oh the slap of dracula i could never have in a million years have thought of that that's i totally want to make a uh, short little film now where dracula like goes up to his victims and they mouth onto him he's just he slapping slaps men and women men and women around left and right before killing them or whatever right and, and then you get the lucy character that actually wants to be bitten and he just slaps her anyway and just keeps moving you know yeah he gets the one who's just like yeah do it again yeah that's right hit me again oh uh, you know dracula's just like i actually just moves i like slowly. how this one this one actually kind of harkens back, speaking of Lucy, this one actually does kind of harken back to Bram Stoker's, because we, you know, we got um, the other priest, who's basically Renfield, 
Yes, I, I thought of that too, the familiar character. I, I noticed the same same comparison. Um, I also wanted to start singing My Maria every time that Maria's mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> Xena gets turned into a vampire, but then Dracula's like, get rid of the body. Why did you fucking turn her into a right? vampire then? Although, yeah! What's the point of that? <laughs> Although I gotta say, the way they got rid of her was spectacular. Oh I, yeah, I, the fucking fireplace! <laughs> well, and, and it's great because they set it up earlier with all the bread, and I just thought it was this random thing. And, and yeah, he throws fire at Dracula later, but that fireplace is like what that big? It got me like what? And she's like five feet. Tall. Yeah, <laughs> the and, priest had to like like, like snap some limbs. Oh, and, and he throws the shoes in afterwards. That's oh, the that thing. made that made that whole scene. He just chucks the shoe in. But my, my but, jaw actually dropped in that. Like, I, I was so happy to see that. I just... Uh, was I was just thinking, like, you cannot tell me not a single goddamn person doesn't smell burning body. Like, no one? That's a good no one smells that? So, Maybe vampires don't smell. I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> Dracula visiting Maria and having to be invited in is kind of like this little tiny short film that you directed that you can hey, talk about. Yeah. Good transition. It's about a stranger coming to visit an elderly lady yes. who wants to be invited in. Yeah. Yep. I Ooh. thought you were going to go vampire with it, but spoilers, there's no vampires in Mike's new film. Yeah, so, no, okay. it's, it's not It's not supernatural. <laughs> it's not a vampire. Yes. So, um, yeah, so it's called It's Me, Ma. And, uh, yeah, that was very nice, Chris. Nice Thank job. You. Thank you. Um, so, basically, uh, to back up, there's another filmmaker local. His name's Joe Lemieux. We've done a lot of work together. And we were looking to do some short films that were made just for the internet. So we were thinking three to four minutes, something that could pop up on your Facebook feed and you could watch while you're, you know, like, procrastinating at work or not wanting to do something and wanting just to check out Facebook. Um, so we wrote things very simply. And... It's a story with only two actors, one of whom had been asking me for years to be in a film, The Old Woman. Um, and we just try to keep it simple. It's a performance piece, so it's more about how to develop tension um, and try to get uh, get as try to get as into the story as possible, and try to get the characters um, get the audience to feel about the characters as deeply as possible in only a few minutes. So it was kind of a challenge. It was also just something we could do just quickly like we shot it all in one day funny thing about it and there's no spoiler about this um we thought when we did it that we'd try to do it with no music if possible because we wanted to be a realistic thing we're very hitchcocky um but we figured we'll do a cut without music and then if it needs it we'll add it it's fine you know i've done a lot of stuff like that where you just add music and it's totally cool well on the day we filmed it there was a windstorm with about 65 mile an hour gusts and I remember, and they're talking at the front door of her house, and I remember our sound guy came over, he's like, you can hear the wind. I was like, what, you mean a little? And he put the headphones on, he's like, you can really hear the wind. So it actually adds this kind of creepy tone to it that was kind of a nice surprise. So, um, But yeah, we're really happy with it. It played at the Shaunashe Festival. Um, we've submitted to a couple other festivals. We'll see where it goes. But eventually it'll live online. I mean, the, the bigger reason we did it... Um, the thing about shorts is that they always have a home at festivals, and that's wonderful. Seeing it with an audience is, you know, is a great experience. The only downside is what happens afterwards. You know, with a feature, there's a logical place for it to go. You know, streaming, I mean, if they do DVD or Blu-ray, no one really does anymore. But, you know, there's an, a logical place to see them. Okay, well, this is an old, this is an old one. I know, I know you're referencing this big Blu-ray thing. But, you know, like with Inf Infinite Santa's not on Blu-ray or DVD. You know, that didn't get picked up because they don't sell anymore. But but that's a, an aside. So Joe and I were thinking, what's the value of a, a short film? You know, we made it for almost nothing. So are we going to make our money back? Probably not. But 
if it's out there online on YouTube or Facebook or whatever, then people see it and it has value because it shows, you know, it shows who we are as filmmakers and it's a small thing they can digest and it helps our visibility and career and all that stuff. So um, that's kind of where the whole idea came from. And so while we're working on bigger features, this is a way for us to keep productive, you know, because like we have a bigger feature that is basically if we get a, a check for it, it's kind of ready to go. But it would be a bigger deal, you know, filmed in the Adirondacks and the, you know, um, in September and would have to be financed with uh, with an actual direction to get distributed, you know, before we start. And and we put a lot of work into it. I'm really happy with it. Fingers crossed we can get it done. But in the meantime, what do you do? We're not going to sit around and do nothing, you know, so we just think of these little things that are pretty simple to do. So that's really where that came from. Cool. Yeah, it was excellent. I uh, where Where can people check it out? eventually so joe and i just launched a new uh, llc called dream apex pictures and it'll eventually be on there because the one issue we have is that if we keep doing things on our own all of a sudden we have this whole handful of movies out there that are just like on our facebook pages and there's no <laughs> way to keep it central and i already have uh grim films which does drive and horror show burnt reindeer films which does infinite santa a bunch of other stuff i'm involved in so at a certain point it's like I could spend every minute of my day trying to promote all these different things or just have one website that has, has all of it. So so keep an eye out for it. Uh, I'd say there should be more information about it early next year, and we'll kind of go from there. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for, uh, for sure. letting me talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I 100% loved it. You're right, can't really get too much into it. It's very short. <laughs> yes. You watch it with <laughs> Bleakman and I, but uh, you can't give away the uh, the ending to it or talk about the plot too much, because otherwise, <laughs> other than that little bit that I that I gave away. So, yeah. um, but uh, as you were talking about it and all of the, your, your accomplishments or whatever, I definitely now want to write the script for um, Face the Slap of Dracula and have you direct it. I, please, <laughs> please write that. That, that's that's just the best title. Would we'll, we'll just be like what five would be amazing. Just slapping men and women around. <laughs> I, would like, I would love to do that. That sounds hilarious. Oh my god, we can, we should make it like all serious with him being all like. <laughs> oh yeah, and with the red eyes. Yeah, if yeah. We can get it, yes. yeah, yeah. Or as I put it in my note, pink eye. Yeah, oh yeah, I love <laughs> conjunctivitis. That'll to get hurt too. Every five fucking minutes in this movie. I know. Oh yeah. And that or... must have been plastic too. Those those contacts in those days were really horrible for you. Yeah, I think he's gone on record as saying that every time the contacts are so painful. Yeah. The director of this movie, we forgot to mention, his name is Fr Freddie Francis, and he was a cinematographer for Cape Fear, the the uh, the one with uh, Robert De Niro. Yep. Yeah. He's, oh, a, cool. he's a he's on a lot. And he's also a cinematographer for The Elephant Man and Glory. Yep. Oh man, I love Glory. Yeah, great movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Terrence Fisher was originally going to direct this one, like he had the other ones, but apparently he got into like a car accident and uh, had to give it to um, Freddie instead. Oh, jeez. He also directed uh, the uh, worked on the Evil of Frankenstein and was <laughs> excuse me. He also directed one episode of Tales from the Crypt, the TV series. Which one? Oh no way! <laughs> uh, Last Respects from 1996. Oh, which one is that? I'm not a hundred percent. That sounds like season two, I think. I'm still three? waiting for Tales from the Crypt to get the HD Blu-ray release. Oh, I know. I have season uh, season two. According to this, uh, three bickering sticks, uh, three bickering sisters left in charge of the late father's struggling curiosity shop come into possession of a cursed monkey's paw uh. and take advantage of it. So it's a monkey paw. It's, yeah, <laughs> that's a classic. It's like body snatchers. Anyone can do it, and it's always fun. So 
Right? Let's see. Whatever. Okay, where are we now? Okay, so uh, a lot of rooftop chasing in this movie. Also, yes. Dracula's illuminated very green a lot of the times. And if yes. you look yeah. at the Blu-ray for Scars of Dracula, which just came out from Scream Factory, with a lot of fucking bonus material. There are three goddamn commentaries on that movie. Is that right? One with Chris wow. and the cast and the director. And then, like, two with historians. Holy crap. Yeah. That's awesome. It's crazy. Dracula Prince of Darkness also had three commentaries on it. One with Chris and the cast. And then, like, two with, like, two different, like, film historians. And one with the director again. Like, an updated one uh-huh. with the director. I mean, that at least makes sense because the, the cultural impact of that movie. Yeah. I mean, that, that was... But yeah, wow, and, and just surprising. listening to it with Chris talking about the movie is fucking great. Oh, I'm sure. I mean? Yeah, I listen to him say anything. He's great, you know. Speaking yeah. of Chris's, there's one guy in particular I would love to have ever heard do a commentary for a movie, but we weren't in that digital age yet um, for him to do it. Um, and there, he never did it for laser discs. Uh, because I was just watching John Carpenter's Village of the Damned, and Christopher mm-hmm. Reeve is in that. And a lot of people talk really highly about Christopher Reeve, but unfortunately, again, he passed away, and his accident was before like we started getting into like consumerism of yeah. products and DVDs. Right, so, yeah. That's right. So, and then, and, and, yeah, I mean, Blu-ray, as you you know mentioned or whatever, people aren't buying it anymore, and it's only like a collector's market, so. Yeah, it's a, it's a niche thing. Um, yeah. I love it. I buy them. But I do, just, too. You know, yeah. yeah, so do I. <laughs> I got that with a gift card. So it didn't cost <laughs> nice. me a dime. <laughs> but you know what? For the 1,000th Reese Criterion, couldn't have done any worse than like oh, yeah. the Showa era of Godzilla. So. Yeah, for sure. So I'm trying to figure out the geography. This town is below Transylvania because Dracula kidnaps Veronica Carlson, goes back to his castle... And it seems like in these like amazing like wide angle shots with Paul on the horse, <laughs> the village is below the other village where the pub is, where they're like they're trying to like hold Paul from going to the castle because it will be nothing but we won't bother him, he won't bother us. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. That's yeah. exactly what you should do. I'm quite sure that he's not going to come down for a midnight snack once in a while. You fucking idiot. Yeah, that always works. Jesus Talk to the American Werewolf in London guys. So. Oh, I could not believe that. Yes. Whatever. And they're like, lock him up for a couple days. What? <laughs> Why? Because he wants to work yeah. to his fiance. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And the only one brave enough to help him is the mentally challenged kid. It's, yeah. It's that kind of movie, you know. At least they're consistent from start to finish. Right. This definitely. <laughs> Um, at least the continuity is the same for the most part because the way Dracula died in one movie is the way he comes back in the next one. Because oh, he was yeah. in ice at the last movie and they found him in ice in this movie. I'd forgotten that and I saw it and I, it took me a second to realize like what is he, you know, what happened, but that's cool. Also, how the fuck does Dracula get around after being staked through the goddamn heart? Isn't that how you kill a vampire? I, well, I oh, guess, yeah. Yeah, they added the thing about how you're supposed to say a prayer too. Oh, Yeah, God. I was like, excuse me, this is not in the rules. Yeah. <laughs> On the most recent episode of Supernatural, which is in its final season, Sam and Dean Winchester have to um, uh, fight a vampire in it. And on Supernatural, the only way to kill a vampire is to cut their head off. Vampires can walk around daylight. None of the holy water shit works. The only way to kill a vampire is you have to cut a vampire's head off. Okay, and that's canon like that. You know, that's shown up in movies before. Right. You cut know? the head off, stuff the mouth full of garlic, stake the heart, stake the heart or whatever, spread yeah. the ashes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of how you do it. Because that's how, um, excuse me, that's what Mercy Brown's father, uh, what had to do to her when the villagers like, you know, opened up her tomb and she was like still kind of fresh and young and pretty. So they were like, cut her head off. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is our local American vampire in our backyard here in uh, Massachusetts. When can when... we talk about that scene where Dracula gets his coffin by dumping out that one girl? Right. Oh, that was great. Oh my god. What the I fuck? was just. <laughs> Holy shit! 
Dracula is Chris is first of all Chris was like seven feet tall almost right oh yeah he was huge uh, yeah okay, yeah so he could like lift that coffin up whatever <laughs> oh you know he, he doesn't take any shit in this movie he just he just does what he wants when he wants <laughs> he was like if I have to come back for a third one of these I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna fuck some shit up that's right I'm gonna slap people and tell them to burn other people and <laughs> Um, the, uh, okay, so, okay, so again, now we get to, Veronica is the only one who can remove the cross. In my notes, with my own crappy handwriting, I can't even read it. The impaling scene of Dracula on the cross reminds me of, I wrote Drive-In FNZ. I don't know what that means. God, my notes. I was literally, okay, let me tell you how I take my notes. I'm paying attention to the movie, and I'm just scribbling shit down. Like, I'm like, <laughs> not even paying attention to what I write. But I wrote down, this is the one note I can read, Paul Rubin's death scene in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, when he gets staked, he's like, ooh, ah, ooh, ooh. It kicks the table or whatever, and then at the end of the credits or whatever, he's still, ooh. Okay, I figured out what my note means. Fright Night Part 2, the doctor, the psychologist of Charlie Brewster is a vampire, and when his girlfriend Alex stakes him at the train yard or whatever, he's like, Ugh, can you, if you had it pushed so hard, I maybe, oh, wait, no, I got it. And he kills himself by, like, impaling himself on the rest of the stake through the body, because she only jabs it in his chest, and then he <laughs> leaves completely over to get the thing all the way through his body, because he can't pull it out, and he's like, gonna die. He's just, a, he's in nothing but pain. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, like, all the other Hammer movies. So the, the priest says the prayer, and he dies Dracula dies uh, Paul and uh, Veronica Carlson Maria live happily ever after we get the rolled credits again yeah yep. I, I was a little surprised that Paul didn't have to finally read the prayer because that seemed like what his arc was yeah you know he's the atheist so you figure well he's the one that's going to have to kill him you know, because then his character changes, but he didn't really change at all. Yeah. It was just kind of the he same. he did the the Catholic thing. I don't. I'm not Catholic. I don't know. The, at the very end, None he did that Catholic. the Fred the Catholic. prayer thing. I do. Oh wait, <laughs> I, we, I forgot that in the notes. I forgot that in my notes or whatever. Uh, the what is the priest asked him? What what is what is the Monsignor ask Paul? Oh, he, are you? Does he say you're not a Protestant? Are you? Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. so funny. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with being a Protestant in 1905? Because Protestants yeah. and Catholics hate each other, I think. Yeah, because yeah. we're the we're the rebel alliance to the evil fucking empire. <laughs> yeah, I thought that that was, yeah. that was so funny. I mean, Protestant Protestants are an offshoot of Catholic religion, right? Because I, I think most yeah. I think most of the Christian religions are offshoots of Catholicism because Catholicism is so rigid and 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 you know if you're a woman you got no you know power or whatever priests have all the power you can't do anything before marriage and Protestants are like yeah no we're fuck all that yeah kind right of attitude because Protestants have uh, Presbyterian ministers that are men and women or gay and Catholics don't acknowledge gays still right um. You, you know, having sex before marriage is, is a big sin. What if you don't want to get married? What if you just want to have a life partner? Yeah, right. Or just be a person. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that, I thought that was hilarious or whatever. You're not a Protestant. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I, was, I was expecting him to no, say, I'm a you're Jew. not a Jew. <gasps> I, I was expecting him to have Jew. Well, because he had the curly hair, and I was like, oh my god, he's Jewish. This is great. <laughs> I'm a Muslim. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> None of which would be as bad as a Protestant. I think that was the worst thing he could have said. Probably. The last shot of the cross in the fog. Honestly, I think this is where, like, Castlevania, the video game series, draws a lot of inspiration from Hammer. Because a lot of shots in Castlevania, opening sequences and stuff like that, plus, like, the way Dracula constantly keeps coming back, 
definitely pulls from Hammer. I mean, sorry, yeah. Castlevania pulls from Hammer for its context, especially when, like, op- like oh, credits in the Castlevania games also had, like, mockery versions of uh, Terrence Fisher's name and Christopher Lee's name right. and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. That's oh, a yeah. Point. yeah. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it for my notes uh, for the uh, for this uh, for this movie. There's an ad in the Hammer book called Let Horror Fangs Put Teeth in Your Dracula Campaign, and they're plastic fucking vampire fangs for $10. I Jesus can buy a bag Christ. of 100 plastic vampire fangs on Amazon for $10. Oh, yeah. yeah. Put those in, like, kids' birthday party, you know, gift bags and stuff. Like, oh, that's... I did one better. I attached... Uh, uh, when we released uh, the first issue of my Dracula comic book, Vlada, we took I, I I spent hours doing it. Little piece of string, little tag with the stuff about the comic book on there attached to the plastic fangs. That's awesome. Yeah, because you can't write on the fangs, so you gotta right, of course. You gotta wrap something. Oh yeah. It. But I I had like little pieces of string tied them around it, and then gave away little pieces of plastic fangs. Or people ask me, oh, am I gonna put these in my mouth? No, you're not supposed to put them yeah. in the fucking piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Nobody, like, half a dozen people did not understand what I was passing out to them. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It wasn't a horror con, though, so maybe that's maybe that was half my defeat. I, um, I imagine <laughs> that's probably it. <laughs> did you hear Terracon is coming back? The thing I love about horror cons is going to meet other horror fans and, you know, meet the authors and the people selling stuff. And, right, right, know, right. Exactly. Stuff. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Horror Podcast. Thank you, Ro, for being my co-host once again. Oh, yeah, it was always fun. Thank you, Michael, for joining us. You're very welcome. That was super fun. What a fun movie. And don't forget, this is now on the Dorkening Network. This is still part of Radio Horror, as it's recorded by your host, Dr. Chris, from the Radio Horror Show. But now this episode and all the other episodes of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses will be on the Dorkening Network. We'd like to give away our rewards for the evening. The uh, booze for the episode probably go to Xena and the upside-down hanging girl in the bell tower. <laughs> yes. The blood all over this movie. The badass, once again, played by Christopher Lee and Paul. Because I thought Paul was pretty much a badass for being like, No, I'm an atheist! Yeah. Fuck your yes. Yeah. And your altar boy shit. <laughs> oh, he, he, he kicked some ass. He sobered up really quickly, too, from being hammered. Yeah, he yeah. Being hammered he did. Sober. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so our rewards go to those guys. You can find us on our individual uh, social media accounts, Radio Horror on Facebook and at Chris D S A V on Twitter. Where can they find you, Mike? You can find me on Facebook. Just look uh, facebook.com slash Michael Neal. And where can they find you, Ro, for your extracurricular activities at night? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ro Lauren, and that's R-O-L-0-R-E-N. Thank you, everybody, and come back uh, next month for our next episode, Taste the Blood of Dracula.